0: Our family didn't have family vacations. We didn't go to the beach in the summertime. You know, we we, we wrestle. You know, I don't think I did anything that no one can do, or else I wouldn't have done it. It's almost like I was more excited for him to win than 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 I than I cared about me winning. You know, that was right when I really truly understood that you can't get on that podium without being a well-rounded wrestler. And wrestling's just, like, one big puzzle. There's, like, a counterattack to every attack that the opponent has, and it's just fun trying to, like, figure everything out. I really love to watch freestyle wrestling. I watch it, you know, almost every day. I'm watching Russians and Iranians.
1: No, I think you had some uh, pretty good questions, pretty in-depth. Only fault was that I thought I could pin everybody, you know, so going into the semifinals, I didn't
0: really have a game plan it took me a couple of years to really recognize uh just what I had actually done Um and how really rare that that is. I was like super, super, super intense. All I cared about was wrestling. For 17 years, it was like, this was what I was training for, you know, and this is potentially my last tournament. It's like, this is it. It's like eight mile, like you only get one shot. I felt like you took what was mine. You know, and um, I was trying to take what was his. So just kind of how things go.
1: Welcome to episode 22 of the Sudden History Wrestling Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Earl Smith. Hope everyone had a great 4th of July. I know I got to spend some good time with the family. I wish I could tell everyone about the upcoming list of guests for the show, but some of them I'm still in the process of finalizing. And then I just also really want to keep everybody hanging on. But trust me, there are some really fun, interesting guests that I've got lined up, so stay tuned. This week's guest has been mentioned, I believe, three times by prior guests, if I'm counting correctly. His coaching was praised by both Conrad Poles and Mario Mason. And his teammate John Trench thought he was one of the best wrestlers in recent history without an NCAA title. Here's my conversation with Corey Cooperman. Welcome to Sudden History. Our guest today was a three-time NCAA All-American and three-time EIWEA champ for Lehigh. Let's welcome Corey Cooperin. How's it going, Earl? Good, good. Glad to have you on. Um, The first question I usually start our guests off with was, uh, when and why did you begin wrestling?
0: Um, I think you get that normal answer uh, quite a bit about WWF and stuff like that.
1: Sure, sure. I
0: was into that, and then um, met my my best friend at the time, you know, the first day of kindergarten and we would hang out, we would actually go to the state tournament. I didn't realize we were going to the state tournament until twenty years later, um, at Jadwin Gymnasium at Princeton, uh when his brother was in high school. We would not watch a single wrestling match. We were playing um, you know, hide and seek behind the bleachers and things like that. Yeah. Second, third grade. And then uh it came time um, I think third grade, where we were able to go out for wrestling, and we did. And um, you know, my first match did not go the way that I wanted it to. I remember getting choked and crying and saying, "You know, I'm not going back." <laughs> uh-huh. um, but then uh, I remember, like the next day, the next week, we had two matches in one day, and I text both my guys, and I was like, "You know what? It's not so bad." <laughs> and I, and I had a pretty decent, you know, first first year out. So I was hooked.
1: Okay, so in high school you were part of some uh, amazing teams at Blair Academy. Talk about the training environment and then just how it helped you develop into the wrestler that you'd ultimately become.
0: Well, you know, I think uh once I got into the sport, you know, I always sought out good competition. And you know, before Blair Academy, um I was a part of some special teams, you know, even growing up. Uh, there's a program called Pascal Hills, and, you know, we had a lot of future Division One wrestlers on that team that were in 6th and 7th grade, um, in 6th, 7th, 8th grade, I remember when I wrestled for them. Um, like I said, there's a lot of future D1 wrestlers, a lot of high school state champs. Um, we won state tournament. I like being a part of a winning program. So when you're looking at the next level, um, Okay, you know, who's successful in wrestling? You know, my high school didn't even have wrestling at that time, uh, so I would have had to wrestle at a different high school. So, just taking a look, you know, you have in your home state the number one team in the country. Um, mm-hmm. They were. You know, I remember watching uh, Blair wrestle St. Ed's uh, when I was in eighth grade. Blair dropped everyone away, class, and uh, they demolished him, you know, <laughs> and it was awesome. <laughs> And I wanted to be a part of that. You know, there was an aura when they walked into the room, the respect that everyone had for them. I wanted to be a part of that. And I went to Blair, and we were second, third, our first three years. And then my last year, we won a national title. And um, I think the second and third best teams in the country were St. Ed's and Easton, and we beat them by, you know, 20-something points you know, we really had a strong team. And that team went on to win six more national titles. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, you're in an environment where I always just use, uh, I like to make it sound maybe even a little bit better than it was, but using round numbers, you have about 400 kids at Blair. Let's say 200 boys, 200 girls. You have about 40 of the boys that wrestle, you know. (laughs) Um, So in terms of, a good environment, you know, I remember, you know, being there on the weekends and say, Oh, you know, I have a good idea. You know, we're going to parties. I have a good idea. Let's climb down the rope into the wrestling room. We'll get a workout in and climb the rope back out, you know, and you're surrounded by like-minded people. You know, I was just at a tournament this weekend with, with Steve Mako and I had my boy there and he had his boy there. And I was telling him that, you know, his dad would, Steve Mako used to bang on my door every morning at 6 a.m. to go get an extra workout in. And I remember the days where it would be raining and thundering. And I just, like, in in bed like going, yes, you know, yes, (laughs) thank God. And, you know, bang, bang, bang on the door. Open up, bro. You know, (laughs) even if you're there soaking wet, you know, let's go. Let's train. So uh, for a kid who's trying to wrestle at the highest level, um, I had guys below me guys above me, um, guys that were heavyweights that were, you know, like Mako that were leading by example, you know. And, um, you know, if you don't thrive when you're in that environment, and this comes now from, you know, being a college coach and probably most college coaches would tell you that if they don't thrive in those four years that they're at Blair, then they're most likely not going to thrive at the next level. You know, mm-hmm. they're in such a good environment for training, for their social life, for their academic life. They've got people looking out for them, making sure that they're staying on the straight and narrow. If they don't thrive, then why would they thrive <laughs> when it gets even, you know, gets even harder?
1: You know? Sure, that makes sense. Um,
0: so, you know, it's it's a great culture, a great environment for a kid who wants to wrestle at the next level. For me, it was. I need to get a scholarship, I want to wrestle in college, and I knew that was putting myself in the best situation uh, to achieve my goals.
1: Uh, So talk about your style and sort of how it developed, because I felt like you're a little ahead of your time, you know, some of the things that you did on the mat were uh, not as common as
0: they may be today. Well, um, you know, I I had a good couple laughs, you know, with, I remember when I, you know, would do some of those flow techniques, or techniques on flow wrestling. And I'd post, flow would put them up. And this is about like four years ago. Uh, I was at Rutgers and people were just commenting on this, on the stuff that I'm doing going, that's junk. That's crap. You know, you're never going to see that work at the next level or whatever. And, um, four years later, Keith Gavin hits it and they've got it up on flow. And they has anyone seen this move before? What do you call it? And I commented on it like, uh, check out your archives, you know, <laughs> you know, and, you know, my style, um, I studied a lot of film, you know, Zach Esposito uh, was my best friend growing up and then in high school um, Mark Perry and I hit it off. And those are two of the best minds in wrestling. Right? So growing mm-hmm. up with Zach, we would watch highlight films and we would make our own, you know, but uh, I remember specifically Taking from Coach Buxton, of VHS, if you remember what those are. Uh, oh yeah, VHS of the 1995 World Championships, and everyone was in there from Dave Schultz and Kevin Jackson and Zeke Jones, and you know I was more more focused on you know Satiev and Sergey Smalls and you know uh, Jordanov. Mm-hmm. i watched a lot of. You know, Sisuri versus Brands. You know, I mean, there's just so many good matches in there, and that's where uh, the move that we call Magic Stick. I think the term is stick I stuck since I, you know, called it that back in college. Um, that that came from there. You know, and I think it was Brands. I think it was Tom Brands going for third and fourth. He was crushing some guy. I don't know his Azerbaijan or Turkey. I can't remember, but uh, he's on his leg, single leg, crawling forward, and just whoop, <laughs> <he> disappeared. <laughs> You know, that was the year that Terry um, beat Cicero with a three pushouts in a row. You know, so mm-hmm. you know, for me, I got to watch the American style, um, and you know, those guys, you know, Brands and uh, Zeke and Schultz and Angle and you know, all those guys, Kevin Jackson. Like I said, uh, you know, those were my heroes in the in the country, and then you know, like I said, Satia and guys like that. Um, I really enjoyed watching their style because I was a technician. I wasn't super strong. I wasn't into lifting, you know. I just I, I really enjoy the art of the sport, you know. And uh, I have great respect for you know the guys that that do as well, you know, do some beautiful stuff.
1: Okay, so in, initially coming out of high school, you signed with and went to Minnesota. I think I asked a similar question to Mario Mason during his interview. You know, what attracted you to Minnesota? Because just looking at you, and from a stylistic standpoint, you didn't appear to be that type of guy that wrestled for
0: Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> well, I was interested in a lot of schools. I think the, the recruiting process is very overwhelming, uh, especially for a guy like me. You know, I I was a late bloomer, um, <laughs> late to mature, both physically and mentally. Um, what I liked about, I remember Minnesota came out, and that was the only school that When they left, I said, I don't know where I'm going, but I know where I'm not going. (laughs) And that's (laughs) Minnesota. Um, But uh, I took a trip out to Iowa State. I was ready to commit there. They had a great thing going. Kale was on the team, Heskett, Roberson. They just had studs up and down. But Minnesota was the only team that was consistently beating Iowa. And Iowa is Iowa, (laughs) you know. Uh, mm-hmm. back then and is now, right? So they're a staple, and Minnesota was hot. They were hot at the time. Uh, they were you know, national champs, I think, my senior year in high school. Um, but what really drew me in, uh, Luke Becker, Jared Lawrence, um, I looked up to Jared growing up. You know, I started wearing a chin cup like he did. You know, uh, <laughs> the camaraderie there, the brotherhood, you know, um, they made me feel you know part of a family, and you could tell how much these guys enjoyed one another's company, and it was a family if you're going to be away from home um you know you want to have that type of brotherhood uh, people that are gonna be there for you um They trained very, very hard, they respected Iowa um but you know they they say you know no one trains as hard as us in Iowa, you know, and I came from a national powerhouse program. Like I said, we had success as a team from when I was a kid, then in high school, so why not at the next level? I mean, I was very interested in Oklahoma State. Um, there was some communication issues there at the time, but, <clears throat> um, you know, for me, those guys, uh, I, I really enjoyed Jared Lawrence, Luke Becker. Um, and, you know, you see it still to this day, how many of those guys are still in that area um, the alumni are around—writers and Thorns, and the Lawrence brothers, and Paulson and Crabb. Uh, you know, you have a lot of those guys that are still still around because they were so drawn in to what was going on then. And it was a very, very special time in Minnesota history. And um, I, I enjoyed you know, wanting to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. First- so.
1: And so we talked about Minnesota, then you ended up transferring to Lehigh. You know, what were some of the reasons behind the move from Minnesota and then why Lehigh?
0: A um, couple reasons. One, um, I think it's no secret that I had weight issues in college. Um, it's well documented. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but, but, you know, out there they wanted me to go down to 125, and the next year I would go on to miss weight at Nationals at 133. So mm-hmm. it wasn't in the cards, and this is where, you know, the maturity factor for me really kicked in, uh, that, I, you know, I wasn't mature, you know, and I made a, a decision, I was scared, you know, I didn't know what to do, um, you know, you think about it, you know, you, you haven't. I have one of the best careers at Blair history, and that's one of the best programs in history, you know, at the time um, my career was, and, you know, now you think, you know, man, maybe I'm going to be sitting in the pine, you know, you know, how embarrassing is that? People are going to be, you know, what a joke, you know, he turned out to be, you know, uh, the weight issues. My, uh, like I said, my heart I had some heart problems uh, for a little while after that. So the combination of it, my mom was sick at the time. Uh, she wanted me to close to home. She always wanted me close to home. She still wants me close to home. Uh, <laughs> um You know, it was just a, it was a decision. Um, It was probably, you know, do I regret it? Um, I really don't want to go in there because I'm not trying to say anything about my Lehigh experience because my Lehigh experience was another experience. It was a lot different, um, but I enjoyed it uh, a lot, and um, you know, we had a good thing going there as well. So, you know, I, I still, you know, I bring my kids out to Minnesota. We've Gone out and watched Minnesota versus Iowa. They've taken great care of us when we came out. We've come out and trained at Pinnacle with Paulson and Jared Lawrence, um, the Minnesota guys. Last year, the Dardanes and Ness and Shore and Luke Becker came out here. I'm um, thinking they're going to come out, at, you know. And they trained with you know Ashnell and Parati from Rutgers. You know? mm-hmm. So uh, we have a good thing going. You know, where we're training guys of, of all ages and. Uh, skill set, and, um, you know, I, I that relationship with Minnesota has, has stuck, you know, so keeping that going, uh, so, those are good people out there.
1: So you had alluded to your first season competing for Lehigh, um, you had lost your first two matches and proceeded to win your next 19, which took you through the EIWA championships, and then along that way, you had beat some real studs like Bunch and Cliff Moore and Josh Moore, And you said the season concluded with you missing weight at nationals. Talk about the season as a whole and then it ending that way.
0: Yeah. um, So off to a rough start, my weight was an issue. Um, And my first time making weight was the first match I wrestled. I never made weight for a wrestle-off or anything. So I went out there, had a pretty solid first period. I think, you know, I ended up... uh, on top three two after the first, and I was done after that. <laughs> I was seeing a mirage of a waterfall on the mat. I was losing it, and um, you know the kid who beat me fully doubted. He, he used to sleep over at my house all the time. He was like an older brother to me, so it kind of stunk because you know growing up I looked up to him. You know he was a big brother, a hero, and then I had an opportunity to wrestle him, and I thought you know it was an opportunity to to show him, you know. I'm the big boy, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, but, you know, he he was older. He was more mature. He did his weight right, and you know he got the win. My next match was Zach Roberson at Iowa State. Um, it was four to four. I had just taken him down to tie it. Four four. Maybe forty seconds left. Thirty seconds left in the period. Uh, he had riding time. I cut him five four. I don't score again. Riding time, 6-4, I lose. So the next day we're going to Iowa, and we get lost. We show up late. I've got weight to cut, <laughs> um, and I'm working hard. I'm wrestling with Santoro and check my weight. I'm still over. They're getting ready to start lanes. You know, Coach Strobel's putting my shoes on, no socks. They're throwing jackets on me. I'm running in place, step on the scale, make weight. So... Um, I remember I had like a, two cups of orange Gatorade. I sat down in the center of Carver Hawkeye while everyone was warming up. My warm-up was done. <laughs> and uh, I got my heart rate up. Um, I was ready to, to to wrestle. If I was going to be ready to wrestle, I was ready to wrestle. Um, but I was exhausted. And um funny part of that is Mark Perry got a call that week from Jim Zaleski, who's a great guy. Um, but, you know, he, he calls him up and says, you know, your boy Cooper is going to get a rude awakening to college, you know, and, um, I was able to, uh, win that match eight to three and, uh, I gave him a little, little point after the match, you know, <laughs> and, you know, uh, I remember though it was a, it was a good match, you know, just my style, you know, was, um, not good for, you know, like, like, like an Iowa type style guy, you know, I, I'm, I'm too much of a was too much of a technician, you know. And um, as long as I didn't get exhausted, I was going to be all right, you know. Um, but like you said, I mean, four of those guys that you named uh, that I beat, uh, they all went on to be NCAA finalists, and you know, one champ out of those guys. So I had a good season. Um, and then I think in the EIWa finals. I won by, like, 14, 13 to 14. And then, you know, we had two weeks off or about 10 days off, and my weight shot up. And, uh, you know, long story short, um, didn't make weight. Don't need to get into the whole process and the day of and whatever. Um, just didn't make weight. Um, you know, I had exhausted myself to the point where I didn't have legs anymore. I, was, <laughs> I just I couldn't even stand on my legs. I remember just not realizing that and just kind of face-planting it, you know. My coaches did what what, what they needed to do, and they pulled me in, rightfully so. And, um, you know, I was just at the Hall of Fame, and there's a book in the Hall of Fame talking about Strobel. It's called Strobel. So I was getting to read up on that whole experience again. So uh, I was just thinking about that. Um, yeah, it was a tough time. You know, I let my, my teammates down. I let myself down, let my family down, you know, and – my family came out, my dad and my sister came out to watch. And, you know, obviously I didn't make weight. Fast forward to the next year, we go to the NCAs. They're singing, you know, and the home of the Brave," And then, boom, I'm pinned in the pigtail. <laughs> and uh, my family's like, man, this is not going, you know, the way we uh, thought it was going to go. But I remember after that point, I, um, you know, you always pack a bag to go to the gym. Well, I was packing my jeans and my sneakers, and my shirt. Like I don't obviously I have no idea, you know, what's going on here. You know, things have not turned out for me. Um, you know, I have a long road ahead. And I said to myself, if I don't all American this year then you know, why wrestle? You know? I I didn't put all my time into this to to be, you know, a two time all American or whatever. You know, that was I really can't be a four time all American. Um if I'm not gonna be a three time I really don't wanna do this, you know. And uh, I looked at the road ahead, and I think I had six matches I had to win in order to be an All-American. Mm-hmm. And I saw well, who do I have in the round of 12? Well, the round of 12 uh, was the loser of you know one of the semis, and that semi was Dylan Long and Tion Ware, who the last year, the previous year, they were in the NCAA finals together, and it was yeah. an overtime or double overtime match. So if I want all American I have to be one of the top two guys in the country. That's my opinion, right? And I went on a tear. Um I had Frankie Edgar, who's an absolute animal. Um, you know, first match I got a major and then, you know, it was like tech, pin, pin, you know, major, um and then I had Dylan Long. And uh I think I snuck out a takedown in the first. Maybe he was winning two nothing I uh, chose bottom, Maybe we got a reversal. I don't know, it was it was like four to one, third period. I'm on top, and I'm just hitting a little hazard roll, just kind of keep rolling him through, get a one count. He fights off his back, belly's out. He builds a base, I do it again. And I'm just killing the clock, you know. And um, about 38 seconds left or so, I, I realize it. It's four to one, and I'm winning, you know. Um, <laughs> we're going to do this. And, you know, I... I uh, you know, continue to ride him out. And I remember just bending over to grab my ankle bands, you know, after six matches to do it and almost falling backwards. You know, I was, there was a little bit of relief, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, probably too much relief because I lost my next match to Nate Gallagher. Um But he was a stud too.
1: Mm-hmm. And so uh, during your junior season, I believe that's when it was taped, you were featured on the MTV True Life show, which centered around your weight cutting. How was the overall experience of the show for you? And how did you feel about the finished product?
0: Uh, um, At the time, in college, we had another movie that was being filmed about our team that, you know, I don't know how it worked out, but I think like something happened where they wanted to produce it, but we still all had another year in college. And the guy who's backing it's like, I'm not waiting another year, right? put it on, you know, and they and they were, had John Trench who has a great story and mm-hmm. he had just graduated. So they were able to, to switch it to, you know, about John and, um, you know, and rightfully so. I mean, he had a very unique story, but we were all being filmed for that movie at the time, you know, and then some other guy was doing a documentary and then MTV thing. So there was a lot going on. You know, distractions wise, um, but you know, you're you're a college kid. MTV was you know there wasn't really social media at the time. Facebook was getting started. MTV was still pretty hot. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And you know, to be followed around by MTV camera crews, you know, you're not on a campus of fifty thousand. You're on a campus of forty five hundred or so. Um. So you know, you you kind of know everybody at the at the end of five years there. Um, and to be followed around with, you know, those MTV camera crews was a pretty cool thing, right? I mean, I could go to my teacher and say, uh, Hey teacher. Um, Hey professor. Uh, the MTV wants to film me in my favorite class. Do you mind if I have a camera crews come in? Oh, sure. What day, you know, and they get all dolled up and, you know, excited <laughs> well, right. Yeah. Um, it was a pretty cool experience. I'm not going to lie. Um, it definitely, uh, drew some attention. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but, uh, the fish caught us. And when you look back at it, um, you know, I mean, I, I wasn't, you know, I really, I don't watch it. You know, I don't really tell people about it. Um, because I, you know, to me, uh, now this, the story was about three people cutting weight, you know, or losing weight, you know, a pageant girl, an overweight girl and uh, a guy who's got to lose weight for wrestling, you know? So it was about losing weight. So, you know, that's the story. Um, but, you know, if it's going to paint neg- uh wrestling in a negative light at all, you know, you know, try, you know, try not to do anything to hurt the sport, you know, um, mm-hmm. only want to give back in a positive manner. And I don't know if it, you know, if, um, if it did shed light in a, a negative way. I mean, I, I don't know, but, um, I don't know. I think, uh, you know, their job is to create a, a drama filled story. And I think they, they definitely made it a little more dramatic than it had to be. You know, my family wasn't, you know, in an extreme argument over me getting vegetables in my omelet, you know, that was probably cut up a little <laughs> bit, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, it was, it was pretty cool. People ask me all the time, how much I got paid for it. And, you know, I was a division one athlete at the time. I got a hat and a T shirt.
1: Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, at Nationals that year you fell in the quarters to Andy Simmons. Uh similar to the previous season, you kind of blazed through the Concies with two majors, a tech and a fall. Um at the time how did you feel about getting back onto the podium again? You improved your finish and uh you know slightly out wrestled your seed.
0: Um you know that was a tough one. You know, I think I, I panicked in the one match. I had given up two takedowns right away, um, and you know, I think I panicked or whatever. Lost that match. That was a quarterfinals, and then I had I think, what two matches to, to take third. Um, you know, I, one of the matches was actually pretty interesting. The guy got me exhausted really quick. I was uh, able to stick' him and go for third, you know and that, not a lot of people know you know who I beat for third and fourth that year because he only wrestled maybe one year um but Daniel Frischborn was an absolute animal um mm-hmm. I mean, he was in the semis I believe he was in the semis or maybe the quarters, and he had he was down at Ware by a point, and he had him lifted in the air you know a short time left to finish his takedown, and he's going on to. By the finals. Um, and, you know, he didn't because Teon is a beast. Um, you know, he's very hard to take down. His hips are just unreal. Um, but, Fishpoint, you know, that was his freshman year. You know, his freshman year, he's wrestling one of our best guys. And uh, he's down by a point and has him in the air to finish a takedown. You know, so he was super tough. And I wrestled him, I think, three times in my college career. And, you know, again, it was just a of things, you know. Those guys from Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma State, like to shoot a lot. And I didn't mind if you were on my leg, you know. Actually, I you know, kind of liked it. So, you know, for me, matchup wise, it worked out. But you know, I don't think, you know, I, don't, I think he gets a little underestimated or you know, underrated. I'm
1: I'm actually from uh, Virginia, so I'm very familiar with and saw a lot of fresh corn when he was younger. So, uh, yeah, you're definitely right about that.
0: Yeah, you know, he got in a car accident, and that ended things for him early, but he would have had a great career. Uh,
1: so looking back on the 2004-2005 season from a team standpoint, was it disappointing that uh, Lehigh finished eighth because – at one point, you guys were ranked number two overall, and I think spent most of the year in the top five and individually had a bunch of talented guys.
0: We had a bunch of talented guys. And, you know, we needed to come together more as a team. Whether that's my fault, you know, letters, Frick, trends, zinc, you know, we had studs up and down the lineup. You know, a two-time All-American, a two-time All-American, a three-time All-American, a three-time All-American, and a three-time All-American national champ. Um, you know, there's, you know, a handful of finalists between those guys. So you know, we should have done better. Um, I don't think we ever all five of us, all Americans in the same, like all five of us, all American, at the same, in the same year, you know, um, if stricken trends and letters, um, maybe zinc and I didn't get on, you know, or whatever. Mm-hmm. This, it never came together for us. um, you know, but we definitely had a great team. I think it was one of the golden eras at Lehigh. Though they had some tremendous teams and eras uh, where they put some good stuff together, I thought we were definitely we definitely brought that back. You know, we just didn't get it done. You know, now look at you know why we didn't get it done. I mean, it definitely could have been us. You know, uh, not getting it together as a team. We also had Oklahoma State with five NCAA jams on one team yeah. at once, you know. Not five guys getting on the podium together, five guys winning it, you know. So that was another – I mean, that was one of the best teams ever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we. but, you know, no excuses. You know, they didn't do that every year. So, you know, we definitely could have snuck in there. We just didn't, you know. And, uh, Oklahoma State was a big part of that. You know, we, I think two times, maybe two years at one point, we may have been ranked second and they were first, you know, mm-hmm. I know, we hold it that long, but, um, we definitely had a really good team, um, and, and a good situation. Like you said, we had a strong fan base. They traveled everywhere. Yep. And, uh, you know. and yeah, WAs wise, we won five conference titles in a row, you know,
1: mm-hmm. so, um, so as I mentioned before, your senior year you finished third also after a close semi loss. You dropped down and ended your career with back to back majors against Raider and Lane. Um, you know, everybody wants to win the NCAA title, but now looking at it from a coaching and a mentoring standpoint, I'd imagine you have to be pretty proud of how tough you wrestled back that year and then, you know, previous years in order to get third.
0: Um you know uh, to be honest with you, I, I don't look at it uh, in a positive way uh, all that often. I think mm-hmm. that's what makes us wrestlers us wrestlers, you know, is that we're not content. Uh, and I think a lot of guys that don't get it done, um, they, they don't look back and pat themselves on the back. I think they they look back and say, man, what, I didn't, you know, not what could I have done, but, I know what I could have done and, you know, too bad, too damn bad. I didn't do it, you know, and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, but at times I look at, you know, guys go through their college careers and, you know, find a guy that never even made it on the podium one time who I respect as a, you know, as a wrestler who just graduated, you know, or, you know, that guy only on the podium once really, because I think he's a stud, you know, So then you look back and say, well, you know, you did get on the podium three times, you know, good for you, you know. Um, but you know, it haunts your dreams, you know, not getting that national title. I think it makes me the coach that I am. Uh, and I feel better about myself as a coach than I did as an athlete. And I always knew that since I was young. Um, but you know, how, you know, we talk about all the time, you know, if I can go back to this time or that time you know, and have these decisions to make, you know, what would I have done and whatever. Well, these kids that i train, trained, you know, they have that. They have the guy that can say, well, listen, if you go down this path, it's easier. You're going to enjoy this more, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, this is what's going to come down the road with it. But if you do this, you know, you might not want to do this. If you do this, this is what's going to come with it. You know, and to me, that's invaluable. You know, mm-hmm. they have a the guy looking out for them, telling them, you know, what they should be doing, what they shouldn't be doing, things that I regret that I didn't do, things that I did do that definitely helped me along the way, you know, and you know, I get to help a lot of kids uh, in their lives and their wrestling careers, and uh, to me, that's, that's what I'm all about. You know, that's my purpose here.
1: And you finished your career as a three-time All-American, three-time EIWA champ. Do you have an achievement, a title, or even maybe just an individual match that you won that uh, means the most to you, looking back on your career?
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I I guess I I probably would use that film long match just because um, the, the way that my NCA tournaments were getting started <laughs> – from not making way to getting pinned to the pigtails. Um, I had a lot of respect for Dylan Long as an athlete. Um, and to wrestle those six matches back, uh, you know, and beat him to get on the podium, that was special to me, uh, for sure. Um, you know, and then, you know, that summer I had to wrestle him at, uh, U.S. Nationals, like the U.S. Open. And mm-hmm. I remember myself, you know, you gotta beat him here. You know, because, you know, he lost in the semis and then he lost to you. You know, people could think, oh, uh, he just had a letdown. You know, Bill Long is better than that. He had a letdown. You know, because he goes from NCAA finalists to knocking on the podiums. But I, I have to show that that wasn't a fluke, you know? Uh-huh. And that, you know, that I am that, you know, that tough forever. So, um, yeah, probably that win my sophomore year. I don't know. I can't think of any other ones that were, you know, um, when I wrestled more from Penn State, that was an interesting one, just because, you know, he had gone in the papers and talked about pinning our guy and saying that, you know, while he enjoyed pinning him, he would have preferred to have pinned me. And, um you know, I was able to go out there and get the major. So that was nice. So, eh, I don't know. I I said, I, I don't think back about it too much. You know, like uh, about yeah. the wins. I think, I think guys like me, we think about the losses. You know.
1: Sure, sure. Um, from the time your college career was over and you joined the coaching ranks, going from Cornell to Rutgers to Illinois, is there a time or moment in your coaching career that you would uh, classify as most memorable?
0: Oh, now that now that's something I like to talk about. <laughs> um, Coach <laughs> is my passion, um, and. I'd say, you know, some of the most memorable. One um, was with working with Jordan Lean. You know, you have a kid who was driven. Again, another situation where the dad knew what he was talking about. Uh, he was at Cornell, you know, a perfect place to thrive, you know, academically, athletically, you know, not too crazy socially. You know, it was a good situation. And he trained very, very hard. He was self-motivated. You know, he pushed himself you know, uh, until he was blue, you know. um, So he was an extremely hard worker. You know, he wanted to watch film. He wanted to break things down. He wanted me to wrestle him as hard as possible. You know, the day before he had to compete, he's losing weight, and he feels like crap. He's got me, like, tech falling him. You know, and I didn't understand it, you know. Um, But, you know, he was wired differently. And I tell you what, uh, I know he got a, a national title, Um, But he was an absolute stud on the mat. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, he can compete with anybody. And I still remember that match with Burroughs out in uh, Reno or Vegas. Kind of jumped the gun off bottom a little bit. I felt like Jordan would have been able to ride him out, uh, Jordan Lean. Uh, But, you know, he had some great competitors as well. I mean, at that time, he had Michael Chandler, Gregor Gillespie, um, Burroughs. Uh, he has some some studs,
1: Mike Poeta. Were,
0: <laughs> it, Poeta, yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, those guys right there. I know, I was missing one. They're all talented in a very similar way. Their explosion was just ridiculous. And talk about, you know, some guys that can let it fly and were really fun to watch wrestling. When those guys competed against each other, uh, you you just want to grab some popcorns, you know, sit there and enjoy it. Uh, so Jordan Lee was really fun to coach. I really enjoyed uh, working with him. You know, Troy Nickerson was probably the most technical guy I've worked with in college. Um, he just had a great arsenal, you know. Um, and when he came to the national tournament, uh, he loved sitting in his corner because he was going to pin the guy in the quarters in 30 seconds. You know, <laughs> make him look. and then, um, you know, the one we talked about was uh, or you had on your podcast, Conrad Poles. Uh, that's a whole nother situation. But, you know, I went to Illinois, and they gave me the reins on him. And a lot of it was mental stuff that we just had to mm-hmm. go over. You know, there's days we went in to work out in the morning, hit a couple high crotches. I'm talking to him. Next thing you know, he's got to snap his headgear off. He's got to go. Um, but, you know, we, um, we we had some great times mm-hmm. in that one year. And um, I remember when he lost our first match, you know, call me to his room and just thanking me for everything. And I'm like, don't even start it right now. We've got a lot of wrestling to do. You know, thank me Thursday night. And uh, you know, he did it. He got on the podium. You know, mm-hmm. and when you, when you have a kid like that, his family's wrestled forever, and they, you know, no one's gotten on the podium yet, and uh, the boy does it. You know, your family. You know, <laughs> I've always, I've always made a living off of uh, do, do for me, I like you. Do for my kid, I love you. You know, uh-huh. I feel the same way. Uh, so the polls, uh, you know, that's family. You know, I still have the card from Mr. Lean on my desk. Um, you know, so coaching, helping kids achieve their goals. I always tell, you know, the parents, m- my goal for these kids is for them to be better than me. You know, mm-hmm. and um, we have that. We have success. So right now I've got a young crop of kids, you know, they're down here the train to get better. You know, Kurt McHenry made his first world team. You know, these other guys are uh, in the rankings and doing well. And, you know, they're, they're trained for Fargo, um, helping these kids help impact their lives. That's what it's all about for me.
1: Yeah. And, uh, let people know what exactly you're doing. So I know you're not coaching in college right now, but you know, you're still not away from the sport. What do you have going on?
0: So, um, I work for my boss, he's the CEO of a company called TTI, Tectonic Industries, Um, Milwaukee, Ryobi, Rigid, Dirt Devil, White Hoover, Echo, Oric. a bunch of companies. Uh, We have a lot of people that work for Milwaukee, a lot of wrestlers, um, whether they graduated from American, Penn, Stanford, Harvard, Cornell, Um, guys like Mac Lunas, guys like Tony Buxton, um, just some of those familiar names, Bobby Shaw, you know, all these wrestlers mm-hmm. so, um, I work for the company in terms of i 'm a corporate recruiter, so you know if I call Rob Cole, Santoro, hey anyone graduating, good guy, hard worker, looking for a job, give me his resume, that type of thing um, i 've also helped quite a bit of wrestlers get um, work for the company in like a in a way where they can kind of what you kind of call it like a sponsorship, um but they, they work for something um, you know you got uh, Kyle Dakin, and David Taylor, Coleman Scott, Jamil Kelly uh, helping the most um, you know so we get to give back to the senior level guys help them so they can train and focus on their goals. Um, got guys fresh out of college that are getting jobs um and then I you know have my thing where I train food train. Uh, I train, you know, elementary school kids, middle school kids, high school kids, college kids. At the senior level when they want to go, we go. Um, and sometimes we have the college guys out with the mi- with the middle school and high school kids. Um, you know, we just, we we train. Um, I actually have John Morrison, who is an All-American at Oklahoma State. He's moving out mm-hmm. here, and uh, he'll be helping out at this one high school called St. Paul's. Uh, it's a mile from my house, and we're going to be opening up a, a club together. Um, but this high school, St. Paul's, that's where Terp McHenry goes. That's where Will Green is going to go. Um, Rob Eider was just named the head coach. We got Rob mm-hmm. Eider. Uh, I have Les Sigmund living with me right now. Um, and he will <laughs> help out there. So, you know, potentially you have uh, you know, Rob Eider, myself, John Morrison, Les Sigmund. A lot of firepower, uh, helping out at that one program. Uh, so there's a lot of wrestling going on in Baltimore now, and, uh, it wasn't before. So, um, some good things happening over here. Hopefully you can help affect the state in a positive way.
1: Okay. The last question I have for you is, uh, how would you like for people to remember you and your career as a wrestler?
0: Um, I like to think that. Well, I'd like for them to remember me as, uh, fun to watch, you know, um, mm-hmm. saw not sit back. Maybe that was part of his problem. <laughs> he opened up, you know, too much sometimes, you know, hard to score on, uh, fun and tough on top. You know, I think we come into that problem right now where people are saying we shouldn't even be on top or, uh, you shouldn't get riding time or things. Well, I, um, I enjoy being on top because I enjoy turning guys and <clears throat> I like to pin. I like to score bonus points. Um, it helped me get a tech a lot easier when you're scoring five points. Um, so I enjoy the, the art of being able to turn a man. You know, to turn a man, you know, you really have to either slick them with a little tilt type situation or you gotta kind of make them say mercy and they go over and, Mm-hmm. That's just as hard as getting the takedown. If not harder, you know, it's hard to turn a guy. Um, so they should be rewarded for that. Um, so yeah, I like I said, tough on top, uh, funky, and um, you know, just a technician more than anything. Fun to watch. Okay, okay. is there
1: is there anything else that you'd like for people to know about Corey Cooper and your career? Anything else? I'm
0: a father of two boys that. I get to spend um, my days at home, you know, uh, helping my wife, Leanne, uh, raise our children. So that's what I do most of the time is, you know, being a stay-at-home dad, uh, getting to be at home with my kids. And, you know, people, you know, kind of say, you know, why isn't he coaching college? Well, um, priorities, (laughs) you know, for me, the most important thing Mm -hmm. is my family, and being able to be around them um so that that's number one, and then obviously being able to feed them, so um this situation provides a both and um I get to work with you know kids from all over and like from eight ten years old to twenty something years old you know um I get to work with the high level guys I get to work with guys that are you know on their way um and it's fun, it's a lot of fun. So,
1: that's it. Okay, well, a big thanks to Corey Cooperman for joining us on Sudden History.
0: Thanks, bro. Appreciate it.
1: All right, before we go, remember to check out everything on the Matt Talk Podcast Network. As usual, JB is killing it with short time. The last two episodes with Tommy from Blood Round and Richard Emmel, then Royce Alger, those were great Then you have the Monarch Matt cast, where he spoke with ODU's NCAA runner-up Ryan Williams. That was cool, and Jason said it was a Sudden History-style episode, so I'll take that as a compliment. I have to thank Corey Cooperman again for coming on the show. Some behind-the-scenes stuff. I had to cancel on Corey twice when we were scheduled to talk. During the past two weeks, I've been going through a lot in my personal life. My stepfather, Steve Oliver who had been in my life since about the time I was five, passed away pretty unexpectedly. So as you can imagine, I had a lot of family obligations that took priority. And again, I canceled twice with Corey. Luckily, he's a cool dude and really brought it when we did talk. So instead of my normal Greg Jones soundbite, I'm just going to close it out with a moment of silence for Steve. Thanks, and we'll see you next week.